0: Welcome to Build Better Brands, I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Today I'm joined by Robbie Swale and Robbie coaches people and their careers, their work, in their lives. So welcome
1: to Build Better Brands,
0: Robbie.
1: Uh, thanks, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's so lovely to have you here, and I'm I'm really glad that we're able to have this chat today. Um, often when my family asks me what I do, uh, and I tell them I do graphic design or branding, like some of them... St- they still don't quite know what I do. <laughs> yeah, especially parents, um, which I think is quite funny. Um, I was just thinking about it the other day. So, if your parents, if your parents were to describe what you do for a living, what do you think they'd say?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think actually,
0: <laughs> my parents
1: would would do pretty well with it, with what I yeah. do. Uh, in so, like, I think they do pretty well. So the reason for that is they like it's it's in a way it's the family business like as far as our family has a business people is that and and that's like um so my mom and dad at different times in their lives were both my mom for the last 20 years of her life was a counselor mostly in the nhs my dad had some time as a psychotherapist as well so they've they understand that talking to people helping people thing which is different to coaching but but overlaps in some ways and related and my brother has worked in coaching a little bit as a coach and mostly as a kind of head of marketing for a coach training company for quite a long time and even my sister my younger sister is now doing some counseling training so it's like my family my immediate family yeah uh, gets it I think, although I've got no idea, like I've never been there while one of them is asked, what, what, is your, what does your son do? What does your brother do? Like, I, I don't know. I have no idea what they'd actually say. Um, it gets more interesting when you get like a couple of degrees of separation away to some friends or like my wife's family, some of them maybe, you know, actually they're pretty good as well now because I've been doing this a while. Um, but, you know, occasionally, I, I mean, you must get this as well. Occasionally you kind of find out by hearing someone talking, I find out by hearing someone talking about my work that they don't understand it because they think it's, yeah. um, I don't know, they think I'm just like some motivational speaker who does speeches on a stage all the yeah. time. Or they think I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like someone's psychotherapist or psychiatrist or they think, um, you know, and it just comes across in just like the like quite cute ways in just the way that people ask me about what I'm doing or say you, you might like this. Um, I think it, it used to happen more um with people I knew and then over time it it happens less I think it's actually a bit unfair to say that my wife's family would do that because I think they all now they actually do know what I do now uh you know we've been
0: that's good together like
1: we've been together longer than I so I've been doing this the whole time so I've known them the whole time I've been doing this so they they've been around around a while
0: that's good so okay so say you were at a barbecue This weekend, which would be interesting because the weather's not great. But hey, yeah, you never know. Um, so someone, yeah, you never know, you never know. It could, it could all change. Um, so someone comes along at barbecue. I don't know you, and they ask you what you do. So what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, these days, what I tend to, I tend to start with the fairly short statement. I work as a leadership coach. And I pronounced leadership carefully because people used to think I was saying leisure with an American accent, like leisure coach, which is, oh. which is a pretty strange, um, strange yeah. assumption to make. And what I usually do is I then wait and see what they do. Right. Because because sometimes then people are like, oh, that's really exciting, you know, or they're like, what the hell is that? Or their eyes glaze over and they would have only been interested if I'd said, uh, I don't know, I'm a professional footballer or I'm a doctor or something like that. Um, And then that allows me to like, I think when I first started out, I got really worried about how do I um, explain what I do to people? And I wanted to like have the perfect way to do it off the bat every time. And I just learned talking to a lot of people that basically that's not possible. And a much more effective thing is to like uh, basically do do it a little bit at a time so that that I can match what I'm saying um, to the person. And then if, if someone asks me, if someone is like, oh, what kind of coaching do you do? Which is sometimes the thing that happens next or like, what does that mean? Then what I usually do, and this is something I learned from one of my mentors is slightly um, avoid the question. Like, I, I think it's really like um, people are often afraid to reject the premise of the question, what do you do? But my mentor, Rich, he used to say, well, like you can bridge from that to anything by saying, it's funny, you should ask. <laughs> so what I might sometimes say is like, what do you do? I'm a leadership coach, well, what does that mean? Well, it's funny, you should ask. Um, what's a bit more interesting than what that is is what I'm interested in right now. And what I'm interested in right now is um, the craft of coaching, uh, creativity, and, and like, how do we lead with what we might call honor? And then again, you give people a chance to kind of uh, jump onto any of those things or glaze over and, and we can go back to talking about the weather.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people, a lot of business owners and and brands having, you know, mission statements and positioning statements and things like that. I think people can get quite um, nervous about having their reciting their, you know, their pitch, their elevator pitch, their bit because they they're so focused on getting it right when actually it's just it's just about having a conversation with with someone and not necessarily seeing them as okay, I need to get this right because potentially this person's gonna work with me. But actually I just it's just a conversation. This person's interested in what I'm doing. I'm just gonna tell them th- and if they're interested, I'll be honest and say, Well I help people build better brands or I help people coach or coach people through their careers etc and then it just becomes a bit more natural doesn't it
1: yeah yeah I, it was definitely a big kind of I'm like a what a recovering perfectionist right it's like a thing that I wrestle with a lot so so I definitely fell into that trap and the thing that with with like meeting people at events at barbecues whatever that that helped me is you know what I really want is like the thing that'll actually like if what I want is in the end to have more clients, um, then the thing that I want is to have actual connection with somebody who's interested in my work, um, so that at some point they might think, oh, I, I actually some coaching would be interesting. I, I could talk to Robbie, or when they're speaking to their sister or their um, old schoolmate or whatever it is, and they think, oh, do you know, actually, I met this guy at the barbecue. And to get to that place, what to get to a place where someone's interested in that way it isn't about telling them the perfect thing, right? Most people actually, it's like about getting into an interesting conversation and, and learning about them. And that's often what's memorable. Yeah. And the, the reason that I like the um the idea of, of the, the, these days, what I sit with is, well, what I'm most interested in at the moment is, and I say three things, usually what we'll coach it, something about the craft of coaching, something about creativity and something about leadership, is that that gives people a lot of space that if they're interested in any of those things, we can have a conversation about that. And really what I want to do is have a conversation with someone about their leadership challenge, partly because that's what I'm interested in. And partly because that's what's also best for business. And if they don't have one, but they do have a struggle with this thing they've been wanting to make for a long time and, or, you know, a book they've been dreaming of writing, but they never get on with, then they might catch the creativity thing, depending on what I say about that. And then we might be able to have a great conversation about their business idea or whatever it is and again that's really interesting a it's fun for me because i'm genuinely interested in those things and b it's again it's, it just feels like it's much more likely to lead in the end to good business outcomes than me trying to than me getting really hung up on saying the, the right thing so that they so that i can get them as a client you know
0: yeah yeah and if we were at barbecue and you just said those things then the second one would have been of interest to me because you said creativity. Yeah.
1: And there we go. And we might be talking about the podcast. We'd be talking about the 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 design work that that you've guided people through or done with people. We'd be talking about creative struggles. Like what you know, we just we I think we just have a great conversation then. And 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 the nice thing is like I know that we would because we've had good conversations already. But the, the yeah. nice thing is like yeah. this is really hard when for me, this was really hard when I was starting out. And I see this with clients as well. It's like the move in the end is we want to get to a I, I want to get to a place where I want the people that are interested in the things that I'm interested in to talk to me about my work. And I don't want to try and make the people that aren't interested talk to me about my work because they're probably not the right people for me to work with right now. And they're probably not going to get excited about sending their brother my way either. But the, but you, if we meet at the, you know, very chilly barbecue on an English autumn afternoon, like <laughs> yeah. if we have a great conversation about podcasts and design and, you know, all these things and the struggles we have with creativity, and I tell you some of my stories and you tell me some of yours, we're going to really remember that. And then who knows what happens in the future?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So while we're on that, um, let's touch on that so creativity what you you've talked about struggles and and you know I've I've had my own struggles within creativity even though that is what I do um so tell me about tell me about yours
1: yeah um well a really big moment in my life (laughs) was when I read the book The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield um, okay. and the funny thing about that is my brother gave it to me for Christmas or my birthday, just like a year or so before I started my coaching business, I think. And I got to my bookshelf with the war of art in my hand and I went to put it on the shelf and I found another copy of it there. So like I had to be given <laughs> this book. I forgotten about it. I can't get any, I was pretty sure yeah, my, right. my, one of my parents gave it to me, but I couldn't get anyone to admit having given me this book. Someone had already given me the book and it, but it took me being given it yeah. twice for me to read it. Right. And, and, okay. and, and the thing about that book is it's a book about So Steve Pressfield was a is a is a novelist and was a screenwriter um, or is a screenwriter. I don't know. And um, but this is a nonfiction book about what he calls winning our creative battles. And it talks about what he calls resistance, which is his way of describing all the ways that we avoid doing the things that we want to do, we're being called to do. And two things happened when I read that book for me. One is my life kind of flashed before my eyes a bit. Like I just looked back, you know, at ideas that I just like let go, like a a business idea, a book idea, you know, that were like I I was full of regret about. Like I had this book idea about a frivolous book about a computer game. Uh, The computer game Football Manager, which I played a a, a embarrassing amount of time between the ages of like (laughs) ten and twenty five, and I had an idea for a book about that, and I let somebody talk me out of it, and then I let my self confidence or my you know self doubt talk me out of it, and then this really gutting, the most gutting thing of all happened, of course, which is that somebody else wrote essentially the same book that I had had an idea for. Like I could I could dig out an email from before it came out and show it to you where it describes. Not the exact same book, but, but you know, an incredibly yeah, close thing. And the, the worst thing, of course, is all one of my friends gave me this book once and I still haven't read it because I, I I can't. It's too gutting to, to pick it up and read it. Um, now, I, I like my life now, right? Um, and I wouldn't change it. And so I don't really wish I could have gone back and written that book about Football Manager. But at the time that this was happening, I didn't like my life as much. There was, I was much less satisfied with it. There were lots more... Especially in my work, it was like I knew I was a bit unfulfilled, so it was gutting to it was gutting to think about that book and a, another business idea and things. But it, it was also gutting because I, I saw through the War of Art that like everybody, or at least Pressfield gave enough examples of people and um, uh, has that feeling, or has those things happen to them—the self-doubt, the procrastination, all that kind of thing. And so um, it was really important to read that and then to realize that. Like I'd kind of taken those thoughts um, as proof that I shouldn't do those things. (laughs) And what uh, the war of art taught me was, I don't have to listen to those thoughts. I can just choose to believe that they're resistance, which is something probably trying to keep me safe or out of harm's way and that kind of thing, but it's just stopping me doing the things that I want to do. And instead I can power through those in different ways, dance with them in different ways and like i don't um the business idea the book idea i I later read another great book a bit like the war of art that i read a bit later was big magic by liz gilbert um and liz gilbert wrote eat pray love among any things which is this great book about creativity what she says in that one is you know if you don't take it if an idea comes to you and you don't take it it'll go on to someone else and that book went on to someone else and then i had this business idea and hilariously My friend, uh, years later, so 10 years after the business idea, I'd had it maybe, and then just like looked on the internet and seen that it sort of existed, and then let my like, oh, I don't know how to start a business kind of thing go. My friend once said, do you know what? My friend who's an entrepreneur, you should meet him. And then I looked at what his business was, and it was the the same business again. And like um, I don't know how they're doing. The business they set up is called Match Pint. So it's not a football-related business. You can tell I was watching a lot of football on TV in my in my twenties um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, playing computer games and things like, um, yeah, like I don't know how the business match point is going, but I couldn't believe like how right Liz Gilbert was and that, that also that the universe had just shown me it again. So then the key things, be- the ke- yeah. key thing becomes like, what did I do with that? Well, one of the things I did was like, let's let's not that, let that happen again. Um, but, but that wasn't the end of it. Like what a lesson. then it, then it yeah. took like, then it's taken, let's say, you know I've been wrestling with this stuff for like eight years and like each it's probably eight or nine years ago that I got given that book and um you know no, no one could deny now that I make a lot of stuff like even I have to admit that I must be creative because I've got two podcasts three books a business like 250 blog posts like it, it's plenty of stuff I've made like I can't deny it yeah. but each of those things has been a a different dance with all these ways that i hold myself back and try and avoid the 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 creative battles
0: wow so the war of art yeah i feel like i need to read this book
1: it's good it's punchy
0: but the universe the universe was really trying to get you to read that book if it turned (laughs) up in your life exactly right
1: right? (laughs) i mean no denying it you
0: know when you're you're having a tough time you like just give me a sign like
1: <laughs> exactly and it's like here's the book but again I wonder what would have happened like yeah I wonder how it would have shown up again in my life if I hadn't if you and my brother you and giving me that book I hadn't read it then I wonder if like it would have smacked me around the face in a in another way um, I hope so Maybe. I hope so Falling off a shelf was... onto your head yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean ex- I mean it, interestingly like actually if he gave me two books that he must have known in some way that, that I don't know if he just read them or he gave me two books. So he also gave me a Seth Godin book um, called the Icarus deception. So actually, if he hadn't given me the war of art, maybe Seth Godin really likes Stephen Pressfield. Like they're friends now, I think because Seth Godin liked that book or that work as well. So maybe, maybe I'd have found him through Seth Godin in the end, um, in the end anyway.
0: Yes. Maybe, maybe in the same way that I found, um, Jim roan through Tony Robbins, mm. yeah. Um, just because that's where he got a lot of his, you know, if you listen to what he says and stuff, it's all just kind of his stuff, yeah. but but from his perspective, and it's similar with Gary Lee as well. Mm. A, a lot of the stuff, when you look back to what these people read and who they were following, it tends those people tend to keep coming up,
1: yeah. It's one of the reasons as well why I think, like, um you know podcasts this kind of medium but any any medium where we share what's influenced us and what's been useful for us is really useful because that's how I've it's yeah. how I found loads of the things that that have been impactful for me and and yeah it's always interesting isn't it to get those like I, I don't know in as much details any of those three uh, people's work but if, if I think about Godin and pressfield and liz gilbert interacting even though they're kind of saying the same thing it was really you i kind of needed to um marinate in those ideas for a few years and be practicing them to i don't know get the to kind of embody that really at the end so it's also yeah. people shouldn't well, yeah. and, and i guess the creator to draw it back to the creative battles i remember my brother once saying a great thing which i think about a lot I've thought about a lot since then, which is what he learned from Seth Godin's blog. So for people who don't know, Seth Godin has like uh, has done a daily blog for like 30 years or something. Um,
0: yeah, he has. And
1: what my brother said, he said, one of the things I learned from Seth Godin's blog is it's okay to write about the same thing more than once. <laughs> and it's like, well, of, I mean, like on one level, of course it is. And yet I didn't really know that. Yeah. And it's like, well, great. Because that means I don't have to worry, which which when you've only got two blog posts isn't such a big deal but when you've been writing a blog post every week for six years like i have like i i i i, I definitely have written the same essentially the same blog post more than once but that's okay because just like getting yeah. two copies of the war of art is okay right it might be that the second time someone mm-hmm. reads it they they um, get finally get the message or it might be that someone who's never come across the first one finds the second one and also it's why it's okay exactly. to say similar things to other people if you mean them, if they're from the heart, because like, sometimes we need to hear things five times from five different people, or someone might need to hear it with the Robbie flavour or the Danielle flavour to really get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And this is something that is very apparent in brands that are consistent. You know, if I uh, think about um Okay, so Carex, they're a brand that's been going for a long time. Whenever I think of Carex, it's the fact that they kill—you know—it's a hand wash. It kills ninety-nine point nine percent of bacteria. Like, how many times have Carex? Said that?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it
0: like so many times because they just keep they they're constantly reiterating that message because they want to get it through to people and they want to be they want to be front of mind so when you're thinking about washing your hands and killing germs who comes to mind yeah hopefully carex and that's it's the same in branding you know reiterating the same message year after year after year until people really get it and and believe it
1: yeah i could completely agree and as you were talking about that partly cuz we've been talking about sport a little bit I was thinking of the big sportswear brands and their tv advertising and how it's like the athletes featured in it might change but the feel of it doesn't and so you you have a feel for what Nike means what Adidas means because you've watched you know if you've watched sport on tv you've watched a lot of those adverts over a number of years and you have that feel and the the consistency and the what would you say like the like is the word they're con- congruent something like that it's like they're in alignment with themselves when they're successful yeah. and carex those hand wash things they're exactly the same um we've got a baby and it's like buying the nappies like i can remember the tv ads for these nappies when i was like six and now the nappies look
0: yeah for like pampers yeah i was
1: thinking about huggies pull-ups we don't actually get them we get pampers yeah. pull-ups but like Huggies pull-ups, like I remember that so clearly from whatever TV show it was. And like they're the same product now essentially because they've got a winning mix and the brand feels – like I know that Huggies do pull-ups and I still remember that and that's because they said it over yeah. and over again.
0: Exactly. And, and I think this is, people have this fear of repeating themselves. But like you said, if it's something that you believe in, and it's kind of the essences of who you are. You know, you don't know. There's so many distractions out there in the world. You don't know if who you're talking to is is at the time ready for what it is that you've got to offer. So you've just got to keep, as it says on that book behind you, <laughs> um, you've got to keep going, yeah. right? You've got to keep going. You've got to keep reiterating um, and, and just kind of trusting the process. Um, But obviously you've you know you've talked about the fact that you've got two podcasts you've got your website your business your books I'm assuming there's been a lot in terms of the process creating you know your your identity your logos your websites your branding you know your book covers are really really colorful and vibrant really eye-catching how did you find that process, that creative process of, of making these things look the way that they do?
1: Yeah, it's been a real mixture. So I would say actually that the books is the most, uh, what would you say, like active or proactive I've been in that. So I guess when I think about my brand generally... When I was starting out, I had read The War of Art. And so I was thinking a lot about what is what I should be doing here and what is resistance? So like, what is like the actual work and what is some things I think I need to do in order to do the actual work? And in a coaching business, like that thing we started talking about, connecting with people at a barbecue, that's the actual work, right? No coach can have a coaching business without connecting with people sometimes. But coaches absolutely can have a coaching business without having a website, like pretty much, or certainly without having a snazzy website. So I was really aware when I was starting out, it's like, do I need a website? In the end, I came down on yes, because actually if someone Googles me and there's nothing there, like I want people who Google me to find me, but actually beyond yeah. that, and and the website having an email address on it, I don't need much. And so what I started with mm-hmm. was the bare minimum, because it's like, I know I knew yeah. me a bit by that point. I knew like how much I would procrastinate and how much I would waste time trying to perfect the copy and the color scheme and des- probably designing a terrible logo myself because I didn't have any money in my business <laughs> and all these kinds of things. And instead it was like, how can I do a, an 80-20 analysis on the website? So how can I do the, the 20% of effort that gets me 80% of the outcome? And that was like three pages at the start. Homepage which says pretty much that thing that you read out at the start of this, which is still on my homepage. Hi, I'm Robbie. I work as a coach. This is what I coach people on. A page which was about me with something on that. So a bit more for people about that. Uh, I think I did actually have a how I work page and then a contact page. And really everything was just like contact me here at the bottom of every page. Yeah. And then because I didn't necessarily know what my brand was at that point. I didn't know who I wanted to work with. I didn't really know anything. And so the aim was, I'd kind of learned this in my career change. If I think too much about it, I'll stop. I'll i will get like tied <laughs> up in knots. So how do I keep moving? And then the, the brand, the rest of my brand really has just evolved through the things I've made and done over the years since then. Um, fundamental part of that, which we can kind of ties in with the books a bit, is when I started writing my blog because then that was like um a way for people to get to know me and you know uh, there's a nice i thought about it a minute ago you know was, i think it's a jeff bezos quote and obviously people have different thoughts about jeff bezos but i think he said somebody you might know you might know something different if, it's, if this is somebody different you might know actually i think it was him who said you uh, your something like your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room yes
0: yeah, but so, so something
1: yeah. like that and and like that's why the the like um, the ninety nine percent of germs it's like perfect. What do Huggies do? Or well, they make pull yeah. up nappies? Like that's what that's what we would say about them when they're not there.
0: Yeah. And, and my
1: blog yeah. actually, a bit accidentally, became one of the things that people would say about me when I wasn't in the room. Um, and that's because it was like it had a little hook to it. It was like an interesting story. Um. And I was writing about my experience, my experience with clients. So also it gave this chance for a brand to build that if people wanted to learn about me, they could do it through the things I'd written. And I kind of came to accept that that was an okay. I used to think that wasn't like, it's was another bit of like storytelling. Uh, I, I thought it wasn't okay, but that wasn't how brands were built. And it, I definitely could have been more strategic, but it's like a, a way for it to do it is to just make things that are to do with me. Like I'm my brand. So I have to make things that are about me. And if I do that and I put them somewhere and people find them, that's an acceptable way to build a branch. And I used to think it wasn't. I used to think it was all logos and colors and all that kind of thing. And, And then what's interesting is as that blog became the books when the first book cover came back, so people can Google uh, or put my name into Amazon and you'll find the book covers. And and obviously I think you should then buy the books, but you could just look at the covers. And when the first one for the first (laughs) book came, which was how to start when you're stuck, like I'd worked with a cover designer on that and I'd given some briefing. And he'd like, because of the briefing, which felt quite light touch to me, like he'd got something that I really liked. Basically he, he gave two designs quite different. And I saw why he gave them both yeah. from the different, uh, what would you say like the different uh, provocations I gave for him. And one of them was yeah. clearly the right one, and it was, it was that one. And that's then been really wonderful because it somehow it does get the brand of uh, it gets the same feel as my writing practice, which is like a bit messy, but out there, a bit relaxed, but vibrant, alive, but not too perfect. And that, in a way, that, that, that has become my thing over the years. Although I didn't set out, I didn't know that was who I was until I discovered it, basically.
0: That's amazing. I love it that you, I mean, like you talked about procrastination and actually you just went ahead and did it. You got your three pages of your website sorted and Often that is what stops people from doing what they want to do. They they overthink things. I'm a massive overthinker. Yeah, same. Um, and, and you just talk yourself out of doing stuff. Oh, I can't do that because it's going to take me far too long to do that. Then I've got to write all the copy for this. And, oh, it won't even be that good anyway. And before you know it, this amazing idea that you had, this thing that you were going to create and put in the world, is just not happening. I know.
1: It's, and it's like, if you think back to the football manager book or the that business or or you know any number of other things that I kind of wish I'd done like every you know it's like it's all it happens with all these things it's like people I could have asked out and I didn't especially when I was a teenager you know it's like um wanting to play music and get better at it and just like kind of stopping or not really practicing the same with sports like all these things it's like you know I it's not like I like I said I like my life I'm very I feel very grateful for all the things that are part of it but you know we never know and mostly these things that people want to do what I've discovered from talking to people about this kind of thing and and coaching them through it mostly these things that people really want to do are things that like it would be great if they were in the world and like for the world like it's good that somebody else wrote the football manager book because there's loads of football manager fans who will love that and they'll be real they'll be happy and entertained Mm -hmm. by it you know but like we don't know that that happens with everything And we don't get to find out what the Robbie version of that book would have been uh, and what that would have meant for the world. And the same's true of all these little projects, you know, um, you know, we've all got them and we've all got friends who always talk about them, you know, like the friend who's always about to set up the cafe or start the band or um, launch the business, whatever it is. And, you know, it's just like for them, what I, what I think I've seen is that for the person, the doing the courageous things let stopping them letting uh, what is it stopping talking themselves out of doing it and for the world it's it's just basically a good thing if these things happen so it's a real shame not Mm -hmm. just for me sitting here with the regrets about those things you know and 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 all of us who have those kind of things but yeah more more widely than that I think
0: yeah I mean I know I know a friend that once you know she talked about starting a yoga studio I've got another friend that talked about having um her own cafe like it's everybody's got something everyone and And i I
1: was just thinking in my mind there danielle just to catch about your friend with the yoga studio like my my first thought was um yeah and you know like given the levels of stress and anxiety in the world like the world needs more yoga studios and then my thought was i bet your friend doesn't think that i bet she thinks or he thinks that there are uh, like a million yoga studios and what's the point of her starting one? And that's one of these classic yeah. like um, ways that we talk ourselves out of it. Because when we're thinking about setting up a yoga studio, our minds, just like when we're learning to drive, all we see is L plates everywhere. When we think about starting a yoga studio, I bet your friend just sees yoga studios like everywhere she goes. But the truth is there is definitely somewhere within 20 miles of where your friend lives, which would, where if, if, if she built it, like, and then she did the hard work people would come because yeah. like yoga is one of those things isn't it yeah. it's just like it's in the cultural zeitgeist it's like we all like I wish I'm, I'm about to move house right I wish there was a yoga like we're, we're living in the middle of the countryside if there was a yoga studio in the village next to it I would be there because like I'll need to make you friends yeah. when I move I'll need to like I'll need to have somewhere to get out the house it's like if so if she wants to move to Harvington in Worcestershire well, or Sulphur Pryor's in Warwickshire and set up a yoga studio there. She'll have one or he'll have one client.
0: Okay. I will let her know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's, we've, I was just thinking about my next question, but we've, we've really just kind of talked about it. You know, people that talk about putting out this good idea and then, you know, you speak to them a year later and it still haven't, hasn't happened. It's, it's very familiar. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's a lack of inspiration or a lack of confidence or discipline that stops people from doing those things. What do you think? Or is it something else?
1: Yeah, it's like, I think people would people would think that it is a lack of those kinds of things that you were talking about. My sense is that that what is going on here, and I, th- I might have learned this from Stephen Pressfield as well, or I might have heard it somewhere different. My sense is that a big part of it is these are all actually acts of courage. That's the quality that you need to start something. And that what happens when you, when you are brave is you do something that you don't feel confident enough to do, that you're afraid of. And in fact, I, I've heard you talking about this on, on a previous episode. It's like, you do the thing and then you become confident afterwards and it builds up over time yeah but but the reason that we don't do it is because actually it means we will change as a person this would be my this is like the best description of it that i've heard it's like and we that doesn't feel safe because to some parts of us because we'll we don't know what will happen on the other side like we actually don't know like it might not work is a part of all these things the cafe yeah. might go bust yeah no one might turn up to the yoga studio um no one might the football manager book might get rejected everywhere which is essentially the thing that 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 stopped me um or actually no football manager fans won't be interested in that book was the i got like one piece of feedback this was enough this is what was enough for me i talked to one friend about it he thought it was a good idea he talked to his friend who loved the computer game who said yeah i wouldn't read that book that was enough one guys wow. opinion and that so that was all it took yeah, for me yeah. to have my story that i wasn't the kind of person who could do that confirmed and I, and i think a, a big part of it the, the, the quality required is courage to do the thing but also to risk that it might not work and if you think about like asking somebody out like that's exactly it right isn't it it's like it they might say <laughs> no and the reason we do it face the rejection is they might say yes and we on whenever we do that thing yeah. we we make the call that the possibility of the person saying yes is worth the risk of them saying no
0: yes and I'm I was smiling so much right now because I actually asked I actually asked my partner right
1: <laughs> amazing what was that like
0: all yeah um I can I can remember exactly how I felt. (laughs) How did you feel? I I was absolutely crapping myself. (laughs) And honestly, I was so worried that he was going to say no. And I remember going and speaking to my friend, one of my best friends who I I saw yesterday, and telling her that I wasn't going to do it. And she gave me a taste of my own medicine and was like, get on with it, go and do it now. (laughs) I was like okay, <clears throat> and I did, and we are. It's the thirty first September tomorrow. Um, based on when when we're recording this, I'm just looking at my calendar. Yeah, we'll have been together for uh twelve years tomorrow. Wow,
1: happy anniversary!
0: <laughs> Thank you. So, imagine if I hadn't have asked him yeah. out, like. I was really scared. I, re- I was really unsure. But I just had in my head, okay, if it's a no, it's going to be really rubbish. It's going to be a bit embarrassing, but you'll get over it. But there's a 50-50% chance he's going to say yeah, and they're pretty good odds. And often before I do anything, that's that's what I have in my mind. I have these odds, okay, if it's 50-50, it could go either way. It's not often you get odds like yeah. that. I think they're pretty good odds, so that's why that's why I went for it
1: yeah and um I don't think i would i ever, ever used this I ever used this for asking anyone out particularly but when I'm making things and sharing them a massive thing for me so I kind of had a uh, the thing that was closest to being the third thing in that list but I did manage to make is a website about my favorite fantasy novelist and the thing that got me to the point of making that out of all my, it's, it's there, people can find it. It's called The Wisdom of David Gemmell. Um, so people can yeah. find that. But the, the thing that got me to doing it was a friend of mine saying, I was telling her about like how impactful it had been for me as a teenage boy to read this, these books and how it helped me become who I am. And she said this mm-hmm. the absolute killer question, which is how many people would need to discover that through your website for it to be worth you making the website and then she said even worse she said because i've got a a, like a have got a 14 year old son and it's like the only answer for me came back. well like one like with that kind of thing if it can change one person like then it's worth it and so like 50 50 odds it's like you know i actually think those are like you say those are good odds and it might be worth it like yeah if the, if the potential when we ask someone out is that we end up in a relationship that lasts 12 years or longer has to, you know and I imagine for you to still be together after 12 years you must have had a lot of great <laughs> times together there must be a lot of love there yeah. if like if that's the possibility yeah. then if we really slow down on it it's worth going for at lower odds than that it's like it's almost like is it like the like it is hard but if you really feel like it might be something like that, someone like that, then actually it might be worth going for at one out of a hundred, because the, yeah, you know maybe. there aren't that yeah. many twelve plus year relationships that that people have. Do you know? Like, there's a lot of relationships yes. that don't last that yeah. long. And um, yeah, yeah, and and when we're making things, I think that that's one of the tricks that I use on myself. Still, it's like okay,
0: okay. stuff. How many
1: listeners I've got for my podcast? If this actually helps one person do you know i have a, one of my podcasts is for coaches one of them is about this kind of creativity piece you know if the if the coaching podcast mm-hmm. helps one coach have a successful business that they sustain for the next 10 years then think about how many people are going to be impacted by that and if the creativity yeah, podcast nice. gets one person to like i have one actually one of my podcast episodes is about how i got up the courage to ask my wife to marry me and how how oh, i why? stopped procrastinating on that um and it's like the reason with that one that I put that up there I kept thinking about it and then I remembered that I'd only really told the story of it once and that person went out and asked his girlfriend to marry him and they're now happily married
0: oh wow and so it's like that's amazing it's like,
1: uh, when I remembered that I was like oh I definitely have to tell this story don't I because no matter how <laughs> much more personal it is yeah. than my stories about starting blogs because those things they don't happen in our lives that much and then, you know it's like yeah. what a thing that I got to be a tiny part of that story and I hope they're very happy together that's
0: amazing yeah no absolutely um so you talked about David Gimmel and him inspiring you as a kid um what makes you feel inspired to be able to do what you do and and bring out the best in yourself
1: Hmm. that's a really good question these days so I used to I kind of knew that I was I struggled to celebrate things like I I had that as a kind of struggle for quite a while I, I kind of knew it was a bit of a problem because it meant that I didn't kind of notice the progress I was making and I was more likely to give things up and I made things harder and I really struggled with it I just couldn't get excited about like like my third book came out uh, what last week as we're recording this and I, thank you but I I didn't really feel that like it wasn't that wasn't the moment that I like the book coming out wasn't the moment that I like I didn't like instantly want to like leap around the house and pop pop champagne or whatever it is for me what I celebrate and I learned this from my friend um Catherine like I celebrate the feeling that's what I learned from her that an alternative to celebrating an outcome is celebrating the kind of feeling that you want to have And so that's often what keeps me inspired. And I kind of, it took me a long time. I I used to practice this. So I used to like, I had a particular beer and a particular chocolate bar that if I got that feeling, I would get one of each and I would find some time and I would sit and I would like celebrate, really actively celebrate whatever it was that had given me the feeling. And I learned to recognize that. And, And the way I think about the feeling now is it's a feeling of like me being on track, me being like, well used like the third book is called how to create the conditions for great work and it's it's a lot about how this journey started for me which is like questions about how do we fulfill our potential like how do I know that I'm not wasting my life how do I um
0: yeah big questions
1: questions. and they're taking me a long time to answer but a big part of it is I kind of developed a sense of what's the feeling when I know that I've just done something from the inside that felt like like my best work. And so I sometimes get it when I'm Mm. like, I've got a bit of it now, actually, like I'm really present. I know that I'm talking about the ideas that are right at the edge of my, like ability to talk about them. You know, I'm being beautifully listened to by you. We're bouncing, like we're creating new thoughts together, or at least I'm getting new thoughts because of the conversation we're having. I sometimes get it when I'm writing. I sometimes get it when I'm um, coaching I often, I've got much, like I've worked to get it more and more when I'm coaching. And so a lot of the time it's that, um, that keeps me motivated.
0: It sounds like, I don't like, I've got a state of flow. It is
1: that. Yeah, you're right. It's a really good way of thinking about it. Um, and that would have been a shorter way of telling that story. And, and. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is that a lot of the time, it's like the feeling of flow for me is a real motivator.
0: Yeah, I get that. I get that during podcasts, like when I'm getting inspired and I'm getting excited about the conversation. I get it when I'm lecturing, yeah. like when I'm talking to a student and there's something that they've not quite got. You know, I got it yesterday. They had to, they had to come up with some ideas for a creative director that came in that works for a, a company that makes sustainable products you know low carbon products and they had to come up with ideas in like an hour and some of them were struggling saying oh i'm confused and then i start talking to them and you just see you see them get it and it's like yeah now you Mm -hmm. get it and you get excited for them and you see them start chatting and i i just i buzz off that i get it in a good hockey game Mm -hmm when I've forgotten about what's happening and, and, you know, the best hockey games I've played where I've had an amazing game and maybe I've scored a goal is when something amazing has happened the day before. I'm in a really good mood. I've probably had a few drinks and I'm just like, you know what? I'm in such a good mood. I'm just going to play today mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. care. And I play my best mm-hmm. hockey. And it is, its It's being in that flow state, in that moment where you just absolutely loving what you do. Yeah at that moment and and I think that's what it's about yeah
1: yeah I absolutely love it the 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 only thing to add in that the other thing that that I I love that really motivates me is I I love seeing people so like the courage thing we talked about before like courage is one of my biggest values and I think it's one of the most admirable and inspiring things to see other people do like I'll never forget like this coaching session I had where you know there was this person who came to the coaching session and we didn't end up doing any work together it was a gift coaching session from me and it was just so apparent they said during it that coming to meet a stranger in a in a like it was a member's area a a building in London it's just obvious that that was a massive act of courage for this person and Mm. that that then talking about what mattered most to them again was just like a act of courage and I'll just never forget that because it was so it was so amazing yeah. to be even a little bit part of that and in a way that's where the books that's what I'm trying to that's what I realized about why in the end these books came out because they're the creativity they are might part of my creativity work really it's like because I want like all of those creative things that we talked about they're all acts of courage so I just absolutely love it yeah. when someone yeah. who's been talking about their cafe for three years does the first thing or (laughs) like like i just love that stuff i absolutely love it and um it's so cool when you know i i was really like one of my favorite things was i told the story of how i wrote my books right so they were written they're they're, they're they're the first three years of my blog they were written 12 minutes at a time after three years of writing my blog i realized i had eighty thousand words written 12 minutes at a time. And that, that actually accidentally I'd been because I'd just been writing about whatever I was interested in as part of building that brand. Like I'd written about something because what I was interested in was all this stuff we've been talking about today. Um, and yeah. so the, yeah. the blog added up to not just 80,000 words, but 80,000 words about really this thing we're talking about. How do we do finally do the things um, that uh, we've been meaning to do? And the, the one of the cool yeah. things is. I told that story at an event, uh, like a, a, a kind of web conference that I gave a talk at. And two people who came to that talk and then joined a little writing group that we had afterwards wrote and published their books inspired by that idea before I got mine out. And I just love that. Like, that's that's so cool. I mean, it shows that I was <laughs> procrastinating on publishing the books, right? But it, but it also shows that, like, it was so great that they were just like, and I, I got them to write little there's like a little impact bit at the start of the book for people saying people whose work has been impacted by mine. I love that they're both in there talking about that. It's so cool.
0: That's amazing. It's amazing that the the things that you're creating, the things that you're saying and putting out in the world are giving people the courage to do what they, what they really want to do. Um, And there's going to be lots of people listening to this, this show, this episode today that, are, you know, they've got dreams, they've got an idea, something they want to start, maybe books. So to that person listening now, what one piece of actionable advice would you give them right now to to put what what they've been dreaming dreaming about out into the world?
1: Yeah. So it's a piece of advice that I thought was from Stephen Pressfield. So I had a Stephen Pressfield quote in the front of my book, like on the first page. Okay. And um, when yeah. I came to publishing the book, I was like, I better double check that quote. And um, cause I don't want to misquote Pressfield uh, in case he ever reads my book. I haven't, I haven't actually sent it to him, but I, I, he's on my list of people to send the book to, but um, maybe I have actually, I think I might, I can't remember. Um, and um, I thought I better check it. And so I got out the war of art and I tried to find it. I couldn't, I got out his other books. I tried to find it. I couldn't. The only place I could find it was in an article that I had written. And so it turns out I was actually quoting myself. <laughs> and Fun. what's really funny is I don't <laughs> think I would have been bold enough to put a quote by myself on like, which is a really weird thing to say on the first page of my book. Yeah. But once it was there and I realized that it wasn't Pressfield, it was me, I left it. Um, and the, 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 it was kind of inspired by Pressfield. So he said similar things in the War of Art, but it wasn't actually that. And what I'd written was um, our inspiration is all around us but it's when we make a start that we let inspiration in. So it's like, we think Mm. that we have to wait for inspiration, just like we think we have to wait for confidence. But really the answer is we just need to start. And often that's what everything follows from that. And so look, my writing practice to get out of my own way was set a timer for 12 minutes, write for 12 minutes, proofread it once, post it on LinkedIn. That's what I did for, I've been doing every week for six years. So like, 12 minutes a week for 3 years added up to 80,000 words like it's it's surprising what you can do in a small amount of time as long as you do it keep doing it so my piece of advice yeah. would be like what's the absolute smallest amount of time you can do something noteworthy to to do with your project this week um probably half that so like you probably people will probably overestimate that they'll say like an hour it's definitely less than an hour um you know mm. for most people it's probably less than half an hour like 12 minutes is quite a good amount of time to write for, you know, it's like you might, you might need 20 minutes if it's something different that you're doing, if it's like practicing the guitar or or something like that, but whatever the minimum amount of time you could do this week and focus on that and then do, do it just that amount of time. That's enough for this week and the same again next week. And then if you can do three weeks in a row, see what happens after that.
0: That is awesome advice. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, It's been awesome chatting to you today. I really enjoyed it and I've learned lots and I'm sure the listeners have too. Um, And so for anyone that wants to find you, where can they do that?
1: Yeah, so I'm at robbyswale.com and that's got links to all the other things. It's a website that needs redoing, so don't judge me too much. It's definitely (laughs) reaching the end of its its time as a website. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm there. I'm on all the social, I'm on most of the social media, the big ones. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn though. So if people want to find me there and and add me, just let me know. You heard, heard about me on this show and and I love connecting with people. And especially if you've got like, to help me keep going, if you've got one of those stories, like if if someone does genuinely start something, having heard us have this conversation, like it would be really helpful to me to know that because it's like, I, I, that's what, like I said, that's, you asked me that great question about what keeps me motivated. and, And that's one of those things um and the books they're on amazon but they're also on other places they're on blackwells or waterstones in the uk and, and other places if you're in barnes and noble and places if you're in the states um yeah so i'd, I'd love to hear from people um and yeah daniel it's been a total pleasure like uh this time has absolutely flown by and thanks for helping me be in a what feels like a flow state during this conversation and i awesome. think we could have had another two hours to be honest um, so uh, maybe another yes. time yes
0: I do too, but yeah, we've got to stop at some point, and I think I think there's a nice point. So, but yeah, thank you so much, Robbie, and yeah, speak to you soon. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tuning into the show, and I'd love to thank you personally. So, wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a tone And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.